0: Well, Merry Christmas, Christ Church. This is, you know, I don't say this often, but I want to say it more. That we, I love you. We, we as pastors love you as a church, and it's been so good to spend Christmas just worshiping with you and seeing how God is working in your families and in your lives, and, you know, you're prayed for, and you're cherished, and you're loved, and, and God loves each one of us, and I just want to remind you of that, that God is good all the time. And we say that for a reason. And so, this morning, I just wanted to open with I love you. So in 1974, Hiru Onoto emerged from the jungle in the Philippines. With his battle sword in hand, he handed it over to the city official and surrendered, thus ending his fight in World War II. Now there's a lot of you sitting out there right now thinking, this young kid doesn't understand when World War II ended, but I did not make a mistake with my words. For you see, the war ended in 45, but Hiru did not receive that message. And from 1945 until 1974, Hiru Onoto fought World War II. In the Philippine Islands, he and two other men were intelligence officers, and they were told by their higher command early in 1945 that their mission was to survive, to observe, and cause insurgency wherever they could. And so these men, loyal to their emperor, held true to what they were commanded. For the next 30 years, they waged a war that had already been lost, and they just didn't know. In that 30 years, Hiro explains that he and his men would raid villages, they would avoid ally patrols and civil patrols of police officers and officials, and they would go in and they would steal rice from local farmers, they would steal cattle and they would butcher them to survive, and this often led to bloodshed, and over these 30 years, over 30 civilians would lose their lives because of a war that had already been, been finished. So in 1974, excuse me, in 1972, Hiru and his two remaining men were making a supply run into town when they encountered a task force that had been put together to stop them and to stop the bloodshed and to stop the violence. Two of Hiru's men were killed, and Hiru retreated back to the jungle. When the men were found wearing Japanese Uniforms from World War II, the story became very clear that they were fighting a battle that had already been lost. A task force was put together and people from Japan sought out to find Hiro because they knew that there was remaining soldiers. They didn't know how many. And in 1974, Hiro was found by some Japanese students. Sharing with him a time warp of pictures and a kaleidoscope of newspapers hiru got the message that victory was not theirs there's pictures of when he came out of the jungle his his Rifle was in battle condition, it had been cleaned, it had been taken care of, it it was firing just like it was brand new. As as a soldier, he took care of his ceremonial and battle-readied sword. It's said when he handed it over to the president of the Philippines that the sword was like it was brand new. Hero's uniform was stitched together with tattered garments that he would steal from clotheslines, but he still looked and acted and marched as a Japanese soldier faithful to his emperor. When asked by the New York Times why he did this, he said every Japanese soldier was prepared for death, but as an intelligence officer I was ordered to conduct guerrilla warfare and to not die. I had to follow my orders because I was a soldier. Part of his command was he was to take dubious notes on the activities that he saw on the island and amazingly, from 1945 until 1974, "Hero" kept notes every single day, waging a war that had already been lost. What's really tragic about this story is "Hero's story is the most well-known. But all throughout the Pacific after World War II, Japanese soldiers would emerge from the jungles, never, have receiving, never have re- having received the message that the war was over and victory was not ours. And they fought the war for years and years and years. Tragically, the last of these encounters happened on May 27, 2005, as an 87-year-old man And an 85-year-old man walked out of the woods, dressed in their Japanese soldier uniform, wondering what was going on. Their health had failed, and they learned that the war was over, and victory was not theirs. Church, what war are you fighting? What war in your life are you raging on with? Because I want to tell you something. These Japanese soldiers have a very tragic story when you think about the years of their lives that had been lost, fighting for something that was useless. They have already lost, but they didn't get the message. And as people in this world, every single day, we fight wars over things that have already been lost, and we cling to the things of earth. We cling to the things of men. And I promise you, those things will not be victorious because I cheated. I looked at the back of the Bible. I went to the end, and it says that we win. It's all about perspective. Here we are sitting in America. We know that that was a victorious war. But to these men, it was not. And I challenge you, Christian. In the wars of your life, are you coming down on the side of the winner? Or are you coming down on the side of the loser? Because as a Christian, we believe the victory is already ours. But without Christ, you're waging a war that has already been lost. And there are people looking for you who want you to come out of the jungle. We see a beautiful parallel in our Bible passage this morning. And if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn to Luke 2, verse 21. And as we look at our scripture, it's important to remember that there's some ceremonial laws that take place. Jesus has been born. Mary obviously just gave birth to a child. And and what's believed is that Joseph helped in that delivery. And so there was a purification period of time that had to take place before they could go to the temple. And so when that time came to pass, they went to the temple. They were obedient to the laws of Moses. And I want to point this out about Joseph and Mary, that they were devout, faithful followers of God. Not their religion, not some in particular um, teacher of the law, but they followed God. And so in their obedience, they took their baby and they went to the temple. And it says this in verse 22, that when the time had come, uh, the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the um, the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keep the, keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. So they... Take a pair of doves, and they take these pair of doves, and these are their offering. And what that pair of doves tells us is that Joseph and Mary were, in fact, not super wealthy people. They were coming from the lower to middle class, and that this is an offering that poor folks oftentimes, who didn't have anything, would make. And so you have the king of everything being brought into the world and consecrated with the poorest of offerings. Humbling, isn't it? So they went, and they were faithful, and they did as the law of Moses required. In the meantime, there's a man by the name of Simeon. Simeon is this old guy, as the Bible says. Those aren't my words. Those are Luke's. And Simeon is this man who God has said to him through the Holy Spirit, he said, before you die, you will see my Christ. You will see Jesus, and I promise you that that he will be in front of you. You will see salvation, and so I want you to hold to that promise. And so Simeon, throughout his life, is, is... clinging to this promise, this, that God is going to give me victory and I believe in this victory. And so as the years go by, Simeon makes himself available to the temple. He's, he's constantly around and he's listening for the Lord. But the days keep going and going and going until one day, this couple shows up at the temple, this Mary and Joseph. Simeon, is not in the temple. Imagine, you have waited your whole life for this. I, I remember the days before there was DVR TV or rewinding ability on TV, and, and I remember as a kid we would watch these different shows, in our, and, and a favorite part of the show would come up, and every time my mom would say, Hey, Jamie, can you take the garbage out? And you're just going, No, I don't want to miss this. We've had those moments, haven't we? And we end up missing the goodness. We end up missing our favorite part. We end up missing that thing we're living for. And here, the Christ is being presented at the temple, and Simeon is not there. But what happens next is beautiful, fantastic, and please take notes. Because it says this in verse... (laughs) 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The word consolation means comfort of Israel. He's waiting for Israel to be restored. He's waiting for Israel to be made back into the beautiful bride of God that it was intended to be. He's waiting for Jesus. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was with him. It had been revealed to him by the power of this Holy Spirit that he would not die before he would see the Lord's Christ. And so this day, in verse 27, it says, he was moved by the Spirit, and so he went to the temple courts. It was probably the court of women because Mary was there. Did you hear what that said? Simeon was moved by God. Simeon has been waiting for this moment in his life. This is the most epic thing that will ever happen to him. He's eagerly and anxiously listening for God. And so when God spoke, Simeon heard it. And Simeon went to the temple. Church, listen to me. God is speaking to every single one of us. The question I have is, are we listening? Hiro, Onoda, had been given pamphlets. He had been told by people, the war is over. But he was so focused on this one thing that he failed to realize somebody was trying to communicate with him. See, Simeon's different than this guy. Because somebody was trying to communicate with him. Somebody with a capital S. (laughs) And Simeon heard it and was obedient. Are you obedient to what God's calling you to in your life? Are you listening to what God is saying to you? Are you too busy to be able to make time to hear God? Can you imagine if Simeon was too busy raking his dirt or whatever it is he was doing that day or if he was too busy, to, he was cutting his grass and he was too busy to answer the Holy Spirit in that moment when God said go? Because what happens next is absolutely fantastic. It says this, that he had been moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God you know I remember when we first had our little ones we would walk into Walmart or we would walk into church and we were always afraid because everybody in the world wanted to come up and touch our baby and say oh look how cute he is Oh, and, and the first thing I'm thinking is, is well great now he's going to get sick but here's Mary carrying the son of God into the temple and out of nowhere comes his Simeon character he grabs baby Jesus puts him in his arms and starts praising God Now, to Mary and Joseph, this is going to make sense because they know who Jesus is. But to everybody else in the temple, they're going, look at this creepy guy grabbing the kid out of that mother's arms. Simeon says these words, O sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. To put it a little milder, or in today's language, my life is... Is complete. In this moment, the promise that God made to Simeon came true. He says, My life is complete, sovereign Lord, as you have promised. You now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Where does this take place? This takes place in the temple. You've got this this Simeon character. He's in the temple. He's yelling at the top of his lungs to God. And now, not only that, he says that this Savior of the world is for the Gentiles too? This is very controversial in this time. Because the Jews didn't like the Gentiles. And they thought that Elijah, that Christ was only going to come for them. He's saying that this Christ is for everybody. He's right. Continues on. It says, The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, The child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will also pierce your own soul too. Simeon's talking about the fact that Jesus will be the savior of everything. And that it will cause such a controversy in Israel that many Jews will go to war with Christ. And will in fact participate in killing him. And that will pierce the mother's heart. And so he tells the story to the mother. Luke says here that Simeon was faithful. And like the Japanese soldier, Simeon stayed onto what God had told him. But where it's different is Simeon was following God. Simeon was following something that brought victory. And so the question I have for you, Christian, is: Are you following the things that will bring you victory through what God is doing in your life? Are you being faithful, regardless of your age, regardless? Of the timing, because as we see, as they talk, as God talks about Elizabeth and, and John the Baptist, uh, it's interesting because He says Elizabeth is old. L- these are Luke's words, not mine. Says that this character Simeon is old, and now we come to a, a third character here called Anna, and guess what the descriptor of her is? There was also a prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Why does Luke have a problem with old people? Are you catching that? I hope you are, because it's actually very important. Because it's not that Luke has a problem with old people, it's the fact that Luke is saying old people are valuable. And all too often, old people look at themselves and say, I have no value. Old people look at themselves and they say, nobody wants me. Old people look at themselves and say, I have nothing to offer. And I want to tell you right now, especially if you consider yourself an old people, is that is a lie from the pits of hell. There are generations of people like me craving for older wisdom in my life. And God has blessed you to be a part of his story, and he doesn't give us these many years in our lives to simply die with the beautiful knowledge of Jesus Christ that he has given to us. Each one of us, regardless of our age, has a purpose and a plan, and we are useful to God. Amen, indeed. I love this quote that really summarizes um, this, this, this thought process. I have to find it here in my notes because I want to make sure that I I read it correctly. It's from a man by the name of Daryl Bach. He says, sometimes our most spiritually productive years come after our most earthly productive years. Because you see, Elizabeth was old. The Bible says she was old and barren and she gave birth to a kid named John the Baptist. It says here that Simeon was old but yet... He was able to rejoice and bless the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we have this Anna character who's a prophetess in the temple speaking out on behalf of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says she was old. It is a blessing to be able to be old. We need to stop living like we're dead and utilize the blessings that God has given to us. It says this in the scriptures. There was also a prophetess named Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband for seven years and after her, after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was about 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Anna was a devoted woman of God who had a ministry of intercessory prayer. She woke up every morning worshiping God. And I'm going to tell you, old people, we need examples like that in our lives. We need you to be who you are, lovers of God, and and mentor, and to love, and to be faithful to God. These are the best years of your life God wants to use you. He continues by saying this. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them. She came up, she heard the ruckus, she heard this, this, this guy upstairs going crazy about this resurrected Jesus, and she comes upstairs, or this newborn Jesus. She comes upstairs, and she then begins to speak. She says this um, to them. In the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Of Jerusalem. Here's a woman in the temple speaking of the redemption of Jerusalem. And what she had to say was significant enough to make it in the pages of the Bible, even though she was old. She spoke on behalf of the babe Jesus. The Bible tells us, Christians, that we are to speak as if we are one speaking the very words of God. And God, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have a message to speak. Whose voice are you listening to? Are you fighting a battle that has already been lost? Or are you fighting a battle that has already been won? Those are the only options in life. My prayer for you is that you recognize that the reason Jesus came as a baby was because God loved you so much that he forever wants to dwell with you in heaven and he offered his son as an ultimate sacrifice for you and he gave us a mission and that mission, those final orders that we got are to go and live. Go and tell people the good news that we have won. That's good news this morning, isn't it? That God has set a purpose for us, and by mentioning the Gentiles with Simeon, He's including all of us in this story. Are you living like you're already dead? Are you living in a war that has already been lost? Are you serving an emperor? Or are you serving the king? Father, we love you. We thank you for these words that come from old people god thank you so much that you have chosen to use each and every one of us and that when we feel useless and obsolete that there's absolutely no truth to that, God, and that is from the pits of hell because, God, you have won this battle and you want to use each and every one of us where Simeon was faithful and devoted to you, God. May may we have examples of that today. We thank you for Anna who day and night prayed to you and worshiped you. God, may we have examples of that today. Help us as believers, God, to remain faithful to what you have called us to it's incredible to think that these men, for 30, 50 years, fought a war because they were worried about being good soldiers. Well, God, help us to worry about being good Christians. And help us to live devoted and faithful to you. And as Oswald Chambers says it, God, not because we can do anything, but because of what you do in us. So, God, we give you this morning... We thank you that you have a plan and a goal for us in life. In Jesus' name, amen.